Hey there, OCD family community. Today marks our final water cooler chat before our season two premiere fam. And I'm excited to see where we grow from here. So uh, check please. But first, before we uh, cool things a wrap on season one, we're not done yet. Because as I said last week, we have a doozy of a topic today. And because I love to nerd out, not only are we going to talk, but we're going to brainstorm some solution-focused ideas using not one, not two, but all three of our OCD treatments that quench. Because y'all, I love myself a full circle moment. Just remember, this isn't therapy. Today we're talking about mental compulsions. Wait, what? Mental compulsions? What are those? Not sure? Hey, let's review. Maybe a mental review? Compulsions are those thoughts, actions, behaviors, or those so many nopes, otherwise known as avoidance, that aim to minimize, neutralize, or avoid a perceived threat. I commonly refer to compulsions as safety behaviors because compulsions are intended to help keep you or others safe. But compulsions tend to repeat over and over and over again, which can be distressing in and of themselves, exhausting, frustrating, annoying, and isolating. And those compulsions, they're very temporary. Sometimes they don't help at all. Other times they might take the edge off or yield the slightest semblance of relief. But the thought of not doing it? The consequence, the meaning, the implication, it's terrifying. And even if it did take the edge off or yield the slightest semblance of relief, that relief typically only lasts until the next perceived threat returns, or new threat, or both. So safety behaviors? Uh Uh-huh. You might be thinking, okay, Nicole, if it's a behavior, how can compulsions be mental? Because you said mental compulsions. Verdad? And if it's a thought, well, isn't a thought that's distressing than just an intrusive thought? or an obsessional doubt? I mean, isn't that the obsession, not the compulsion? Great question. The key here, fam, is looking at the function. In fact, when in doubt, no pun intended, looking at the function will nine out of 10 times lead to a correct enough answer. So let's look at the function, shall we? Obsessions are thoughts too, but they function as a perceived threat. Obsessions can also be images, sounds, feared impulses, or feelings like sensations. Not all perceived threats are obsessions. Because y'all, if I walked into the kitchen and there was a bear by the water cooler, I am fairly confident that I'll perceive the threat. And aptly so. That's one point for me. (laughs) But in the case of obsessions, there isn't a bear. There's the idea of a bear. And what if it could be in here? Bears have been spotted in neighborhoods before or other domestic dwellings. What if it slipped in here after last week's podcast? It could happen. It is possible. Oh, the things you can think, right, Doc? And obsessions, they're sticky. That means it's not just a one-and-done thought that we can shake off as something random. No, it comes back, and it can morph, and it can grow, and it can haunt us, for lack of a better word. So in this scenario, the what-if Maybe it could be possibility that there is a bear is our obsession. And what we do about it then can become the compulsion. Now I said can become and intentionally so. Because again, compulsions have to function to minimize, neutralize, or avoid the uh, bear. (laughs) And not everything is a compulsion. Compulsions are usually delivered with worry-filled packaging. So there's usually an urge with varying amount of intensity, and it feels like it needs to be acted on now. Ronto. The stakes feel high, and yeah, either do it or the big, bad, horrible something might, could, will, did happen. 
So mental compulsions, then, are thoughts, images, sounds, and the like that function to minimize, neutralize, or avoid obsessions. I take your obsessional thought, and I raise you a compulsive thought. Their goal is to prove certainty and to erase doubt. And sometimes it can sound like any attempt to cope with obsessions is automatically a compulsion. But thankfully, that's not true. But learning more about OCD, reducing our family accommodation, or getting into treatment, sometimes it can feel that way. And in the process of learning, practitioners can sometimes get that wrong. I know I have before. Family members can get it wrong. But again, coping is not the problem. Compulsing is the problem. Some common flavors of mental compulsions include, but are not limited to, rumination, which are those not-so-lovely spirals where maybe if we just think about our distress, these fears, problems, the anxiety, then somehow we'll think of the missing piece that can resolve this angst. I just need to keep thinking about it and thinking about it. And it's besties with solving compulsions. I mean, if I can just solve this, everything will be better. So let me just uh, try and figure this out first. Mm-hmm. Mental rehearsing, where we practice what we can say or how we can react or how we can respond because everything is riding on this moment, our response. Mental reviewing, an exhausting mental encore, where we can replay and replay and play again. The entire conversation, situation, occurrence in our mind from start to finish over and over and over and over. Hmm. Maybe just replay it one more time. Catastrophizing. Ouch, my leg aches. What if that means I have bone cancer? Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to have my leg amputated and I'll never be able to walk again. Mental listing, where our mental task management system gets taxed and fried. Self-reassurance. Maybe if I say these numbers, or if I think this specific prayer, or I review memorized scripture, or tell myself my positive affirmations and recite them three times, or at least once, or maybe until it feels just right, or avoid thinking of certain numbers because we know they're the bad numbers and only bad things happen when we think of these numbers. Mental counting. I must complete this counting or this algorithm or solve this equation or else. Or mental routines. I have to think of things in a particular order or else the bad thing will happen. And if I mess up, I need to start over from the beginning and I need to redo it. But I need to redo it twice to cancel out the one bad time and then to add in the one good time. Mental compulsions can even take on seemingly helpful forms of problem solving or coping like thought-stopping techniques, distraction, changing the mental channel or reframing, pattern tracking, monitoring daily activities, reflecting, and comparing whether my conclusions match those of my friends, family, professors, academia, TikTok, anyone? Boy, if I didn't know better, even talk therapy then can become the compulsion. So what can we do about mental compulsions? Well, first, let's take a deep breath. Because this all can be really, really overwhelming. Whether we're the OCD or OCD-related disorder sufferer, the mother, the spouse, the child, anyone. So taking a deep breath, we're inserting our preferred way to decompress and reminding ourselves that we are trying our best. And this, this is hard. That is just so key. It's hard. So grace and self-compassion for ourselves, for our loved ones, it's so important. It's deserved. Listen, you or your loved one has survived with these obsessions and compulsions for days, if not decades at this point, and it's torture. So give yourself some love. And you know what? If that's too hard to do, then lean into your loved ones who can show and be a source of hope and strength until you can feel it for yourself, because you do deserve it. Secondly, treatment. 
Yeah, yeah, the therapist is sane therapy. But for reals, fam, there's a lot of hope out there for folks, families, and loved ones impacted by the wreckage of OCD. And something I'll often hear from folks is just how hard resisting or stopping mental compulsions can be. If the obsession was, what if I left my door unlocked and I get robbed? And my compulsion is to check and check and recheck and then maybe drive to work only to turn around about three blocks later because you know what, I think I might have left that door unlocked and actually something really bad could happen. I mean, suddenly that compulsion or stopping it feels quote unquote easier, which is saying a lot than just not thinking something anymore. I mean, if I could just stop thinking it, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be stuck. I wouldn't be feeling tortured because I can do exposures or reduce inferential confusion around not checking doors. I either check it or I don't. I either trust my five senses here and now that I heard, saw, felt the lock click or I don't. But I can't cut off my brain from thinking, even though sometimes, admittedly, some of us wish we could. But with treatment, there's hope. And because it is tricky, it is hard. Hey, I'll be your validation station here, family. Then having a guide who knows this OCD character pretty well can make a huge difference. Different things work for different folks. But the best options I've discovered thus far are exposure and response prevention, inference-based CBT, and medication support. With ERP, we target the compulsive thinking and focus our exposures there. Because remember, not all thinking is compulsive. It has to function as compulsive to be compulsive. And that's partly why it's important for us to recognize the difference between the compulsive thinking and the obsessional thinking that we talked about earlier. Because the point isn't to stop obsessional thinking. Wait, let me say it louder for the people in the back. The point isn't to stop the obsessional thinking. The point, or rather the response prevention, is to stop engagement in the compulsive thinking. So an example might look like practicing an exposure where you intentionally lean into a non-engagement response. Like if the obsession is about what if I married the wrong person and mental compulsions could include replaying every conversation we've had and listing how well they listened or responded, comparing and contrasting their responses with the recalled responses of past people we dated or even people we know now that aren't even our spouses, but they respond differently. Ruminating about what that could or might mean or might not mean. Instead, I might choose to say, I might have married the wrong person. That is possible. And live your life. Oh, wait a minute. Pump the brakes. If I said that or didn't say anything more, then OCD's going to clap back. It's going to say, duh, you know you did. You know you married the wrong person. And not only will you never be happy, but they will never be happy either. And your kids, they're going to suffer. And this is all your fault. But I can maintain my non-engagement response and continue on with my life. I could say something like, hmm, that would suck. But no matter how much I think about this, I can't know but I can choose to go on with my day because I am going to live my life. We can also look at mental compulsions from an ICBT lens. And in ICBT, OCD is a reasoning problem born when we stop trusting our here and now common sense reality and catapult into the land of endless possibilities. ICBT teaches us a relearning of trusting ourselves and our current present reality. Because if there isn't a bear in here, then I don't need to do all the things to stay safe from the bear. There's no bear. It's the idea of a bear. It's a story of a bear. A very convincing, immersive story. But a story. If I realize that wondering what if I could be the worst possible version of myself and my fear that I could have neglected to figure out if I married the right person that could create a trail of misery around me with everyone that I love, 
is actually a story, a narrative that is possible. It's believable. It has happened to others before. It could happen again, sure, but not supported by my evidence in a present reality. So putting the kids to bed and finishing the dishes. And then I don't have to mentally review, solve, or track patterns and responses. I don't have to compare or contrast. I am just going to stream Bravo and chill, y'all. And lastly, with medication support, sometimes the intensity of the noise around intrusive thoughts or obsessional doubts is too loud to be able to focus or function on anything else. And medication support can be really, really helpful for turning down the noise around the OCD thought loops and obsessional sequences. In fact, I'd argue we don't have to be at DEFCOM 9 here to benefit from medication support. Ask me how I know. Learned that one the hard way. But I will say, the research shows this too, that medication support isn't the best solution all on its own. The underlying issue is still an issue. Medication can help, and it can certainly be better than nothing, but it doesn't resolve the compulsions or help you know when you're being absorbed into an obsessional sequence on its own. And so while noise reduction is great, and once you feel some noise reduction, and you're like, oh my gosh, even if it's not all the way better, this is so much better, at a certain point, it's not everything, and a combination of medication and therapy leads to the best possible outcomes. Oh, Phil, parting is such sweet sorrow, though I'm so grateful for our chats here this summer, and I can't wait for season two to start, because the hope continuing to be served by our amazing guests for season two is just simply blowing me away. YouTube fam, I'm going to continue to serve videos for season two, if that is the way you enjoy your podcast. I'm afraid my animated presence is reserved just for us here at the water cooler. But if having some sound waves or subtitles have been useful for you, continue to join us over at YouTube because I'm still going to distribute our weekly podcast streaming every Friday at our YouTube channel as well. And if you're like, what is she talking about with all these animations? Like for real. Yeah. You should come over and check out the CD Family Podcast YouTube channel because it has been a summer, y'all. But I don't regret it because it's brought me here to you. So join me next week for the season two premiere. And hey, maybe I'll see you again next summer for a brief but beautiful bump in or two here at the water cooler. For now, though, I'll see you in season two, fam.